Book Two, Chapter Seven of A Family of Noblemen by Mikhail Saltikov Shedrin, translated by Avram Yarmolinsky, eighteen ninety to nineteen seventy five. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Book Two, As Becomes Good Kinsfolk, Chapter Seven. An odor of incense pervaded the rooms the sing-song of funeral chants was heard in the house the doors were thrown open those wishing to pay their last respects to the deceased came and went while pavel vladimirych lived nobody had paid any attention to him at his death everybody mourned people recalled that he had never hurt a single person that he had never uttered a cross word to any one nor thrown any one a look of ill-will all qualities that had appeared purely negative but now assumed a positive character many seemed to repent that at times they had taken advantage of the dead man's simplicity but after all who knew that the simple soul was destined to so speedy an end one peasant brought yudushka three silver roubles and said here's a little debt i owe pavel vladimirych no writing passed between us here take it yudushka took the money praised the peasant and said he would donate the three silver roubles for oil to burn forever before an icon in the church you my dear friend will see the flame and everybody will see it and the soul of my deceased brother will rejoice maybe he will obtain something for you in heaven you won't be expecting anything and suddenly the lord will send you luck very probably the high estimate of the deceased virtues was largely based on a comparison between him and his brother people did not like yudushka not that they couldn't get the better of him but that he was entirely too much of a nuisance with his scrape penny ways very few could bring themselves to lease land from him they were afraid of his passion for litigation he dragged any number of people to court wasted their time and won nothing because his pettifogging habits were so well known in the district that almost without listening to the case the courts dismissed his claims since meanness or to be more exact a kind of moral hardness especially when under the mask of hypocrisy always inspires a sort of superstitious fear yudushka's neighbors bowed waist low as they passed by the bloodsucker standing all in black beside the coffin with palms crossed and eyes raised upward as long as the deceased lay in the house the family walked about on tiptoe stole glances into the dining-room where the coffins stood on the table wagged their heads and talked in whispers yudushka pretended to be overcome by the disaster and shuffled painfully along the corridor paid a visit to the dear deceased affected deep emotional stress arranged the pole on the coffin and whispered to the commissioner of police who was taking the inventory and affixing the seal Petenka and Volodenka busied themselves about the coffin, placing and lighting the candles, handing over the censer, and so forth. Aninka and Lubinka cried, and through their tears helped the chanters sing the mass for the dead in thin little voices. The woman servants, dressed in black calico, wiped their noses red from weeping on their aprons. Immediately after the death of Pavel Vladimirych, Arina Petrovna went up to her room and locked herself in she was not disposed to weep for she realized that she had to decide upon a course of action immediately to remain at dubrovino was out of the question consequently she had only one choice 
to go to pogorelka the orphan's estate the bone that she had once thrown to her disrespectful daughter anna vladimirovna arriving at this decision she felt relieved as though yudushka had suddenly and forever lost all power over her calmly she counted her five per cent government bonds they totaled fifteen thousand rubles of her own and as much belonging to the orphans which she had saved up for them and she went on composedly to calculate how much money she would have to spend to put the pogorelka manor-house in order then she immediately sent for the bailiff of pogorelka gave the necessary orders about hiring carpenters and sending a horse and cart to dubrovino for her and the orphans belongings ordered the coach to be made ready the coach was her own and she had evidence that it was her very own and began to pack she felt neither hatred nor good-will toward yudushka it suddenly became disgusting to her to have any dealings with him she even ate unwillingly and little because from that day she had to eat not pavel's but yudushka's food several times porfiry vladimirych peeped into her room to have a chat with his mother dear he understood the meaning of her packing clearly but pretended to notice nothing arina petrovna refused to see him go my friend go she said i have no time in three days arina petrovna had everything in readiness for departure they heard mass performed the funeral service and buried pavel vladimirych at the funeral everything happened just as arina petrovna had imagined on the morning when yudushka came to dubrovino in the very way she had foreseen yudushka cried out farewell brother when they lowered the coffin into the grave and turned to ulita and said hastily don't forget don't forget to take the kucha and put it in the dining-room on a clean tablecloth we will honour brother's memory in the house too three churchmen the father provo and a deacon were invited to the dinner served as is the custom immediately on the return from the funeral ceremony a special table was laid in the entrance hall for the sextons arina petrovna and the orphans entered clad in travelling clothes but yudushka pretended even then not to understand he went over to the table requested the father provo to bless the food and drink poured a glassful of vodka for himself and the churchman put on an air of deep emotion and said everlasting memory to the late deceased ah brother brother you have forsaken us who of us more than you was fit to live a happy life how sad brother how sad then he crossed himself and emptied the glass he crossed himself again and swallowed a piece of caviar crossed himself again and took a taste of dried sturgeon eat father he urged the provo all this is my late brother's stock how the deceased loved good fare not only that he ate well himself but he even liked treating others better ah brother brother you have forsaken us how wrong it was of you brother how very wrong he was so carried away by his incessant chatter that he even forgot about his dear mother but suddenly she came to his mind as he scooped up a spoonful of mushrooms and was about to send it down his mouth mother dearest darling he exclaimed i the fool am here gorging myself what a sin mother dear help yourself some mushrooms these are dubrovino mushrooms the famous ones but arina petrovna did not stir she only shook her head in silence she seemed listening to something with intense curiosity a new light seemed to fill her eyes as if the comedy to which she had long since become accustomed and in which she had always taken active part suddenly presented itself to her in a changed light 
the dinner commenced with a brief pathetic discussion yudushka insisted that arina petrovna should take the hostess's place at the head of the table arina petrovna refused no you are the host here so sit where you please she said dryly you are the hostess you mother dear are the hostess everywhere both at golovliovo and dubrovino everywhere said yudushka trying to convince her do stop and sit down wherever it will be the lord's will to place me as a mistress i will sit where i choose here you are master so you take the seat then this is what we'll do said yudushka much moved we'll leave the cover at the host's seat untouched as if our brother were with us an invisible companion he shall be host and we shall all be his guests that is how they arranged it while the soup was being served yudushka chose a proper subject and started a conversation with the priests addressing most of his remarks however to the father provo there are many people nowadays who do not believe in the immortality of the soul but i do he said well they must be desperados answered the father provo no not that they are desperados but there is a science about the soul not being immortal it says that man exists all by himself he lives and then suddenly dies there are too many sciences nowadays if only there were less of them people believe in sciences and don't believe in god take the peasants even the peasants want to become learned yes father you are right they do long to become learned take my naglovo peasants they have nothing to eat and still the other day they passed a resolution they want to open up a school the scholars nowadays there is a science for everything under the sun one science for rain another science for fine weather and so on formerly it was a very simple matter people would come and sing a te deum and the lord would grant them their prayer if they needed fine weather god would grant fine weather if they needed rain the lord had enough of it to go around god has enough of everything but since people have begun to live according to science everything has changed everything happens out of season you sow there is drought you mow there is rain you speak the truth father the gospel truth formerly people used to pray more to god and the earth was more plentiful the harvests were not like now they were four times five times richer the earth produced in abundance doesn't mother remember don't you remember mother dear asked yudushka turning to arina petrovna with the intention of drawing her into the discussion i never heard anything like that in our parts maybe you're speaking of the land of canaan it is said that was really the case there dryly responded arina petrovna yes 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 said yudushka as if he had not heard his mother's remark they don't believe in god they don't believe in the immortality of the soul but they want to eat all the same that's just it all they want is to eat and drink repeated the father provo rolling up the sleeves of his cassock to reach a piece of the funeral pie and put it on his plate everybody attacked the soup for a while nothing was heard but the clink of the spoons on the plates and the puffing of the priests as they blew upon the hot liquid now as for the roman catholics continued yudushka stopping to eat although they do not deny the immortality of the soul yet they claim the soul does not land straight in hell or in heaven but stays for a while in a sort of middle place that too is preposterous to tell you the truth father said porfiry vladimirych deep in thought if we take the point of view of there is no use discussing nonsense how goes the song of our holy church it says in a grassy place in a cool place in which there is neither sighing nor sorrow so of what use is it to talk of a middle place 
Yudushka did not fully agree and wanted to make some sort of objection. But Arina Petrovna, growing annoyed at the conversation, stopped him. Well, eat, eat, you theologian. I guess your soup is cold by now, she said. And to change the topic, she turned to the father provo. Have you gathered in the rye yet, father? Yes, madam. This time the rye is good, but the spring wheat doesn't promise well. The young oat seeds are ripening too soon. Neither straw nor oats can be expected. Oh, they are complaining everywhere about the oats, sighed Arina Petrovna, watching Yudushka scoop up the last dregs of his soup. Another dish was served, ham and peas. Yudushka took advantage of the opportunity to resume the broken conversation. I'll wager the Jews don't eat this, he said. Jews are dirty, responded the father provo, so people mock them, calling them pig's ears. But the Tartars don't eat ham either. There must be some reason for it. The Tartars are dirty too, that's the reason. We don't eat horse flesh, and the Tartars refuse pig's meat. They say rats were eaten during the siege in Paris. Well, they were French. The whole supper passed in this way. When carp and cream was served, Yudushka expatiated, Fall too, father. These are not ordinary carp. They were a favorite dish of my departed brother. Asparagus being served, Yudushka said, Just look at that asparagus. You'd have to pay a silver ruble for asparagus like that in St. Petersburg. My deceased brother was so fond of it. Bless it, look how thick it is. Arina Petrovna was boiling with impatience. A whole hour gone and only half the supper eaten. Yudushka seemed to hold it back on purpose. He would eat something, put down his knife and fork, chatter a while, eat a bit again and chatter again. How often in bygone days had Arina Petrovna scolded him for it? Why don't you eat, you devil? God forgive me. But he seemed to have forgotten her instructions. Or perhaps he had not forgotten them, but was acting that way on purpose, to avenge himself. Or maybe he wasn't even avenging himself consciously. He might just be letting his devilish inner self have free play. Finally the roast was served. At the very moment that all rose and the father provo was beginning to intone the hymn about the beatific deceased, a noise broke out in the corridor. Shouts were heard that entirely spoiled the effect of the prayer. What's that noise? shouted Porfiry Vladimirich. Do they take this for a public house? For mercy's sake, don't yell. Those are my trunks. They are being transferred, responded Arina Petrovna. Then she added with a touch of sarcasm, perhaps you intend to inspect them? A sudden silence fell. Even Yudushka turned pale and became confused. He realized instantly, however, that somehow he had to soften the effect of his mother's unpleasant words. Turning to the father provo, he began, Take woodcocks, for instance. They are plentiful in Russia, but in other lands. For Christ's sake, why don't you eat? We've got twenty-five verse to go and make them before dark, Arina Petrovna cut him short. Petenka, dear, go hurry them in there and see that they serve the pastry. For a few moments there was silence. Porfiry Vladimirich quickly finished his piece of woodcock, his face was pale, his lips trembled, and he sat tapping his foot on the floor. You insult me, mother dear. You hurt me deeply, he declared finally, but avoided his mother's eyes. Who is insulting you? And how am I hurting you so deeply? It is very, very insulting, so insulting, so very insulting, to think of your going away at such a moment. 
you have lived here all the time and suddenly and then you mention the trunks inspection what an insult well then if you're anxious to know all about it why i'll satisfy you i lived here as long as my son pavel was alive he died and i leave and if you want to know about the trunks why ulita has been watching me for a long time at your orders and concerning myself it's better to tell your mother straight to her face that she's under suspicion than to hiss at her behind her back like a snake mother dear but you but i groaned yudushka you've said enough arina petrovna cut him short and i've had my say but uh, how could i mother dear i tell you i'm through for christ's sake let me go in peace the coach is ready i hear the sound of tinkling bells and an approaching vehicle came from the courtyard arina petrovna was the first to arise from the table the others followed now let us sit down for a moment and then we're off she said going towards the parlor they sat a while in silence by that time yudushka had entirely recovered his presence of mind after all why shouldn't you live at dubrovino mother dear just see how nice it is here he said looking into his mother's eyes with a caressing expression of a guilty cur no my friend that's enough i don't want to leave you with unpleasant words but i can't stay here what for father let us pray everybody rose in prayer then arina petrovna kissed everybody good-bye blessed them all and with a heavy step went toward the door porfiry vladimirych at the head of the company of relatives went with her to the porch there on seeing the coach he was struck by a devilish idea why the coach belongs to my brother was the thought that flashed through his mind so we'll see each other mother dear he said helping his mother in and casting side glances at the coach if it's the lord's will and why shouldn't we see each other ah oh, mother dear mother that was a good joke really you had better leave the coach and with god's help in your old nest indeed urged yudushka in a wheedling tone arina petrovna made no answer she had already seated herself and made the sign of the cross but the orphans seemed to hesitate yudushka all the while kept throwing glance after glance at the coach how about the coach mother dear will you send it back yourself or shall i send for it he blurted out unable to retain himself longer arina petrovna shook with indignation the coach is mine she cried in a voice so full of pain that everyone felt embarrassed and ashamed it's mine mine my coach i i have testimony witnesses and you may you no i'll wait we shall see what becomes of you children are you ready for mercy's sake mother dear i have no grievance against you even if the coach belonged to this estate it is my coach mine it does not belong to dubrovino it belongs to me don't you dare to say it do you hear me yes mother dear don't forget us dear heart simply you know without ceremony we will come to you you will come to us as becomes good kinsfolk are you seated children coachman go on cried arina petrovna hardly able to restrain herself the coach quivered and rolled off quickly down the road yudushka stood on the porch waving his handkerchief and calling until the coach had entirely disappeared from view as becomes good kinsfolk we will come to you and you to us as becomes good kinsfolk end of book two chapter seven recording by expatriate in bangor maine